Welcome to The Slotted Lamb, a movies-by-minute watch of the John Landis written and directed 1981 horror classic, An American World from London. I'm your host, Troy, and I want to thank you for joining me on this journey. So here we go with our Friday episode, ending off the week with Minute uh, 67. And I'd also like to say that this particular uh, original air date, actually, of uh, this particular episode is uh, a shout-out to my uh, daughter, who is having her fifth birthday today. So on the 12th of February. Happy birthday, Aslan. So um, other than that, this particular minute starts off with the bravery of a dog being called out and ends up with a gentleman getting a chalky out of a machine in the tube. So like we did in the uh, previous minute we are uh, and where we ended off we are picking up where the uh, the uh, derelicts who actually in the movie actually haven't been named as of yet but uh, they are the three of them of uh, Alf Ted and uh, Joseph, um, where uh, Alf is the gentleman sitting down with the uh, dog next to him, releases the the dog to uh, investigate what's going on, but uh, as he lets go of the dog, the dog actually turns around and heads the opposite direction. And then it is pointed out by Ted, who is played by uh, Frank Sungyeur who was a Trinidadian actor of uh, stage and screen who worked in Britain when he moved there from Trinidad and Tobago in the 1940s. Employed by the Shell Company, he uh, took an active interest in amateur dramatics. Just after the Second World War, he gave up his job with Shell, traveled to London and became an actor, acting at the Unity Theatre and the Bristol Old Vic. His London stage debut was in 1948 in Richard Wright's Native Son. His acting career spanned the subsequent decades until his last roles in Liam Hellman's Watch on the Rhine at the Royal National Theatre and Mustafa Mora's Playboy of the West Indies at the Tricycle Theatre in 1984. He also appeared in several in such films as The Pumpkin Eater in 1964. Seance on a Wet Afternoon in 1964, Pressure in 1976, and An American Wall from London, of course, in 1981. And in several television series, including Z-Cars in 1962, Crane in 1963, and Doomwatch in 1970. And according to IMDb, this gentleman has 90 acting credits. Again, like most of the supporting cast members of An American Wall of London, there is quite a bit of television acting. And actually, this gentleman happens to seem to have a little more of the percentage of uh, movie uh, performances than others. Brave dog, man. After... He is, uh, after uh, Ted has delivered his line, uh, Joseph, who is played by uh, Will Lington, Will Lington, who was born on March 9th and 1908 in Belfast, Ireland, as William James Lington. He is an actor known for, like most of the actors in the, this movie, according to IMDb, that uh, he is known for An American Werewolf in London in 1981. Also, in Armchair Theatre, 1956, 
and Broom Stages in 1966. And according to IMDb, he has 55 uh, roles accredited to him. And again, like mentioned before, mostly a lot of television uh, acting roles with a few movies interspliced. Uh, we actually uh, see that his uh, career starts in uh, TV in 1938. And his final performance is a TV uh, miniseries in 1984. Uh, Joseph inquiring as to what's going on around them. We then hear the wolf howling. And then we have uh, Alf, played by Sidney Broomley who was born on July 24th, 1909 in London, England, uh, who's an actor uh, known for the never-ending story, ooh, 1984, An American Wolf in London in 1981, and Dragon Slayer in 1981. And according to IMDb, has 96 acting credits. Uh, like, again, mentioned before by the all the other uh, part-time actors uh sorry i apologize not to say part-time actors but uh, uh 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 actually a lot of the character actors uh that uh the supporting character actors there we go that's the phrase i want to use he has quite a bit of uh acting credits that are on television however he actually has quite a few uh theatrical uh starts um uh, sorry roles and he actually starts in 1944 in a movie and then actually has a couple of years before he actually starts doing television work and it seems to be going back and forth between a lot of uh, movies and uh, tv programming where his uh, final role according to imdb is in 1987's crystal stone Alf delivers his line of observation about the sound. That's not good stuff. The camera then cuts to a reaction shot of the other gentleman uh, with, uh, with him. And uh, we end on Joseph, who then uh, points directly uh, towards the sound in the dark. We then cut back to Alf, who is still sitting down with his uh, bagged uh, bottle that he was drinking from. And then we cut back to uh, Ted, who uh, delivers his uh, final line of this sequence. Mary, Mother of God! Again, as we are looking at each of these gentlemen in their final shots, uh, we are seeing that they are definitely, definitely getting scared at what they are currently witnessing in front of them. While we don't actually hear it, it uh, pretty much seems that the, uh, the wolf is now advancing on them. So whereas uh, we suddenly have a uh, jump cut of the wolf quickly, uh, the wolf head suddenly on the screen for just a moment, uh, he actually uh, jumps 
out towards obviously the gentleman uh, but we then uh, also cut to again in a split second we cut to a subway train going by uh, both the sound of the uh, wolf uh, 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 making its 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 growl and the subway sound are spliced into one noise as a sort of a jump scare. We then cut to a subway station where it is uh, Tottenham Court uh, Road. It is that's uh, the location we find this uh, very round uh, subway station like uh, most of the London Underground are all uh, these circular uh, tunnels or tubes as they actually are referred to. Um, the train is uh, coming into this particular station about to either pick up or drop off the last of its uh, passengers uh, for the day which we are thinking. Uh, we have uh, four people uh, waiting uh, as the, uh, to get onto the uh, train as it approaches. Uh, we can see that there are uh, billboards along the whole entire one wall that is beside the actual um, that is that is the the side of the wall by the actual uh, train itself, the subway itself, and uh, it uh, approaches towards the uh, camera. We can make out that there's a couple of. Uh, advertisements uh, one seems to be for a place called uh, Wendy uh, Hamilton's restaurant which is located at uh, 87 Oxford Street and basically they uh, it's it's made for you the food that they have uh, at uh, uh, London's Wendy Hamilton restaurant and then next to it is uh, an advertisement for uh, national shavings uh, certificates um, from uh, I unfortunately I can't quite make out what the actual name of the company is just because of the curve and the uh, quality of the DVD unfortunately doesn't give me the clarity. Uh, hanging from the ceiling we actually have a sign uh, mentioning that platform number four southbound if you wanted to go that way you would go left uh, through this uh, through the uh, the uh, the hallway that is attached to this particular uh, uh, subway uh, station stop. And train number uh, 567 uh, pulls into the station and as it starts to slow down a couple of the, uh, the people waiting start to uh, move towards the end of the platform to be able to board once the actual train has come to a complete stop. Now as we then cut to a shot of uh, the actual train where it has actually uh, stopped we uh, see they are at the end of the hallway closer to the uh, tunnel exit or entrance into the actual station itself and we have a uh, singular uh, gentleman getting off while in the uh, a couple of doors down from this gentleman one gentleman in the background getting onto the train uh, this uh, particular uh, gentleman that we're going to be spending the next little um, moment or two with is uh, Gerald uh, Bringsley, who is uh, played by actor Michael Carter. He is, uh, as he steps out of the actual uh, subway, he uh, looks to his uh, right as he notices there is no one down that way. And as he turns around, he then decides to approach the vending machine 
where apparently it costs 20p to purchase his chocolate bar. So as we uh, turn to a, uh, a shot of behind, uh, on the opposite side of uh, uh, Gerald here, we witness that the train is now pulling out of the station and uh, we can see a couple more advertisements. Uh, well, of course, they are completely out of uh, blur, we can know that uh, we are currently, we can make out the Marlboro uh, cigarette uh, sign, which is uh, kind of interesting, just a, a product of the time that you recognize what the image looks like no matter what it is. Um, so as uh, Gerald puts the rest of his money back in his pocket, he then reaches out, uh, pulls on the uh, the machine, and allows his uh, candy bar to be dispensed. And before uh, he can take part in his uh, tasty little uh, at the end of the day treat, we actually come to the end of this particular minute. Over on the commentary track, both actors, uh, Griffin Dunn and David Naughton, are actually uh, watching the movie go by for a couple of seconds because they are waiting for the actual uh, punchline of That's Not Winston. And once Alf uh, delivers his line, uh, both actors uh, both laugh out loud and uh, mention that the joke still works. So once the actual uh, shot then changes to the uh, the subway system, Griffin Dunn mentions that uh, to David Naughton that uh, you had a busy night. David follows up jokingly by saying, "All in a night's work." Griffin Dunn then uh, reflects on uh, him remembering uh, sitting in the movie theater uh, surrounded by all these people. And once our next victim uh, steps out of the subway car, Griffin Dunn also points out, oh, this guy. David Naughton then uh, puts in that uh, when it comes to Rick Baker, he wasn't sure what the decision was. But that the fact that you don't really see the werewolf in uh, most of the movie, basically it's just mostly his head. This upcoming sequence here is uh, the uh, only sequence where you actually get to see the full body. And that it wasn't for very long and that uh, the amount of time was also uh, up for uh, debate as well. When it comes to the script, scene 63, exterior brick lane night, we continue on with the scene with the uh, derelicts, which are actually in the script only listed as derelict 1, derelict 2, derelict 3. The actual sequence plays out as it does in the actual movie, uh, except uh, once uh, the derelict uh, number 1 actually delivers the line of Mother Mary of God, we then cut to scene 64, interior subway station night. Now, whereas uh, previously uh, stated in the script, if there is some sort of jump of the monster or anything like that, we actually have it written in the script. In this version, it actually just goes right to the next scene. And then it actually mentions that um, a train screeches to a halt, and in brackets it says, a scare. 
So it then basically has uh, the one passenger disembarking just like it actually does in the, um, the actual movie. And it also mentions that it's a young man, whether well-dressed, gets onto the platform and he walks over to the vending machine. But in this particular uh, coincident, uh, this particular sequence, he seems to be actually buying a Cadbury chocolate bar. According to the radio drama, the actual derelicts, again, not given any names at this point in the uh, radio drama version, just like the script, uh, continue on with a conversation between themselves about the uh, thing that is outside of their actual field of view, and they talk about uh, the dog uh, being really brave about uh, his uh, reference to uh, a la uh, being the one that's going to... Uh, weed out whatever is out there. However, we hear both barking and growling in the background, and then all of a sudden we hear yipping and the dog running off, and the, basically one of the uh, the derelicts are uh, mentioned that uh, dog doesn't seem to be really that brave. We then actually hear the uh, wolf growling, and then the whole entire realization that there actually is something big out there comes over the... Uh, the derelicts, and then once the uh, line of uh, Mother of God is uh, is said, it then cuts to a scene, um, another exterior scene, and a police officer talking to Dr. Hirsch, where he is questioned about uh, knowing the victim. The doctor then relays that uh, him and his wife were supposed to be going to a dinner party at uh, this place. When he asks if uh, Mrs. Matheson had seen anything, uh, the officer tells her, uh, tells Dr. Hirsch that she has been sedated, and uh, then the uh, doctor concludes out loud that uh, basically he was went out and discovered that uh, at this point, actually, in the radio drama, we have now actually named the young couple, and it is Harry and Judith, like it is in the movie. Um, how uh, what had happened to them also happened to Roger once he went out for to investigate the uh, goings-on that his uh, wife, that Roger Matheson's wife had actually uh, uh, witnessed earlier. Dr. Hirsch then asks if uh, the pathologist had actually looked at the bodies. The officer then mentions that it's what's left of the actual uh, bodies uh, are being were uh, being uh, carried away and that he hadn't seen a mess like he pauses for a second and then Dr. Hirsch mentions a mess since the photos of what had happened to the since those photos of the uh, the American boy killed in uh, Yorkshire. Uh, one of the officers then concludes that uh, it seems to be the same M.O. as uh, the other uh, murders, and uh, that he should make a note of that. 
We then go to a scene where we actually hear a, um, what it is, is a gentleman in a very echoey uh, environment, uh, meaning the subway sequence, uh, playing um, a busker, actually, playing uh, CCR's Bad Moon Rising. Uh, what happens is uh, we then hear a train uh, station announcement that uh, this uh, is the uh, terminating uh, stop for this line. Uh, the subway pulls up. A uh, gentleman obviously gets off of it and actually confronts the busker about uh, why he's uh, playing this uh, the music. The busker asks if uh, this is the last train for the evening and that he was about to pack up. Uh, he then walks, we then go to a little further sequence as the gentleman walks away from the the busker who then again continues to play the uh, Bad Moon Rising. Uh, we hear that he's walked away enough because the music is now played as a bit of a distance echo and then we hear a scream and that's where we're going to end it because the actual next line picks up with what the movie does. So we'll get that when we get to it then. And on that note, that brings us to the end of another minute of An American World from London and the end of this episode of Welcome to the Slaughtered Lamb. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast on either Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast catchers. And if you'd be so kind as to share, rate, and review us, that would be really cool too. If you feel like following this podcast on the social medias, you can follow Planet Geek Pod, all one word, on Instagram and Twitter. And if you'd like to send us in a message via email, send it to planetgeekpod at gmail.com. So until next time, remember, keep off the moors, stick to the roads, best of luck. His acting career spanned the sub tongue twister day. Seance on the wet after Mmm There's there's no the and he has several tones in We uh, then hear the half-walling. The half-walling? The half-walling.